Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. And I'm Lauren Good, senior tech editor at The Verge. And this is Too Embarrassed to Ask, our podcast about consumer tech. Not just gadgets, but also apps, services, and really anything that has to do with you, the consumer, and all of your personal tech questions. It really could be anything. It could be, um, why was Kara seen driving a Waymo car this morning when they're supposed to drive themselves? Waymo car. Goodness sake. (laughs) I'm going to keep driving until the end of time. I'm I'm 90. I'm going to crash into people. That's my plan. Um, So send us your questions. We'll get to why we're talking about Waymo in a second, but we do read all your questions, mostly Lauren. I ignore them almost completely. But find us on Twitter or tweet them to at Recode or to myself or to Lauren with the hashtag TooEmbarrassed. We also have an email address, TooEmbarrassed at Recode.net. A reminder that has uh, two R's and two S's and embarrassed. You know, I'm still answering questions about Chromebooks. Really? Chromebooks are a hot topic. People are sending me questions and I'm, I'm... Hunting down the answers for you, so, so stay glad tuned. That you, do that. you know, it's like Goofus and Gallant here. I am Goofus, clearly, and she is Gallant. If anyone remembers that from Highlights. Anyway, I oh, I um, loved Highlights magazine. I don't remember highlights. that. Goofus and Gallant. I used to read it at the dentist's office. Yeah, exactly. We have a great catalog of podcasts too. You can find them on iTunes at iTunes.com/slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. So, welcome to the first episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask that we are taping under a Trump administration. Mm -hmm. So today we're going to be talking about the best apps for learning how to speak Russian. (laughs) (laughs) Stratsvitye. I just saw a picture of you on social media from yeah. you being in Russia. I was in Russia, yes. What part of Russia were you That was in? Kazakhstan. I was in Kazakhstan, and oh. I was—I look exactly the same. Isn't that funny? Isn't that, You kind of do. Glasses. I think you were frozen in time. Yeah, while you were it there. Was, um, I was visiting Kazakhstan. That's where I first learned about the Internet, um, because I was very much involved with someone who was there, and so I had to contact them, and phones were too expensive, and so we used primitive versions of email and stuff, and... And that's where I first started getting interested in the internet. Wow, I can't, I can't yeah. wait to go through all those backlogs when they're made public. I know when they're some, made public. Yeah, exactly. So hi, hi, how yeah. you doing? Compromise. I'm Kara yeah, right. Swisher. Compromise. You call it? Do you call like your compromising material like caramot? I call it dull. Is what I call it. There's really <laughs> nothing I do. That's okay. Kara with her cat. Oh no, he's Kara watching Two Homeland. Yeah. No, but seriously, we're devoting today's show to a really big topic, and that is self-driving cars. Uh, now, Kara, if I remember correctly, you were the first person to drive Google's entirely self-driving car. Yes, the little clown car. Yes, I was. Me and Liz Gaines, actually, at the time. It had no steering wheel. It had no pedals. It looked like a ride at Disney. And it's not semi-autonomous. I've been into lots of semi-autonomous cars. Usually they take a, I don't know, a Volvo and trick it out or whatever car they happen to have. And I've been in a lot of those, and they make me uncomfortable um, because you feel like grabbing the wheel. This you couldn't if you you wanted to. And I I attempted at the time to run over to Chris Umson, who was running the project at the time, but it wouldn't do it. But I tried. So uh, it was cool. It was interesting. Actually, we think we have a clip of the time that you and Liz Gaines went for a ride in one of those cars. Let's take a listen. This is pretty cool, I have to say. Damn you, Google. It's cool. Once again. Oh, no. Oh, no. Run him over. Oh. Where's the fun in that? They were recording our reactions, and to my dismay, they caught me acknowledging that it was pretty cool. I was like, damn you, Google, it's cool. But a lot has happened since then, and it seems like there are a lot of questions now, especially with the new administration around exactly what is going on in the world of self-driving cars. So to talk about all of that with us, we're delighted to welcome Recode's senior transportation editor, Johanna Buyan, to the show. She's joining us from New York. Hi, Johanna. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Good. Thanks for joining us. We have many questions for you, Johanna. Okay. So you better get ready to answer them because a lot has changed since that first little ride in the clown car and the beginnings of it. It seems everybody and their mother are doing cars. So 
Google is far from the only big company exploring the space. There's been so many people's entered, including car companies um, in the last couple of years. So talk, give us like a rundown of who is seriously working on autonomous vehicles, including some of the startups, because there's tons of those. Um, do you have an hour? Because no. Because <laughs> the rundown will take a very long no, time. No, just go through the top ones. And, sure. And- so um, the major automakers in the U.S. are all working on it. Ford, GM, um, Fiat Chrysler is working with Google, or now it's spun out company Waymo. Uh, but also Uber and then and Tesla is working on a fully self-driving vehicle and they also have semi-autonomous cars on the road, as we all know. Uh, and there are a load of startups, including Zooks, which is the only startup actually trying to build a vehicle that I know of right now. And there are a lot of other companies that are trying to be the brains of the self-driving car or the eyes of the self-driving car. And that list is also very long and extensive. And then Europe mm-hmm. or China? Yeah. So in well, Singapore, uh, there's a company called Newtonomy. And other than Uber, it's the only car uh, or self-driving startup that has actual cars on the road that humans can get into. Mm-hmm. And then Baidu, obviously, is working with BMW on self-driving cars. And so there are a number of different partnerships. And they're all partnerships, correct? Because it's so big. And Apple, you left out Apple, of course, which was in the space and is not in the space or what? Yeah, uh, there are questions about what's going on now. I think the reports say that Apple is moving away from, you know, building the actual vehicle to, you know, or maybe they're thinking about licensing the technology now. Some reports say they have completely, you know, either reset the department or are just not doing it anymore. Oh, interesting. So. There are tons of companies, too, like down in the valley. Mm-hmm. Um, I just ran into my neighbor last night who was telling me he works for one called Lucid, mm-hmm. which used to be called Ativa, and now it's called Lucid, and they're building a self-driving car all the way from the ground up, and you run into companies like Renovo, which does, I think, the drivetrain, mm-hmm. you know, technology for self-driving which, which cars. Johanna and like, was talking about. Yeah, and there are all these, I mean, uh, these are, you know, Johanna uh, has highlighted the big players, but there are a lot of other smaller companies yeah. that are cropping up to sort of support, support. all these well, efforts. that's how the car industry is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the windshield wiper people, the rubber people, the, all kinds of parts that to bring together a car. So it's probably the same exact thing that's mm-hmm. developing. Yeah, I actually just wrote a story about how Waymo now is trying to pitch itself as a supplier. So it's trying, it's not competing with auto makers anymore. It's not competing with Uber anymore. It's competing with the people who are building the cameras and the LIDARs and the radars and everything, as well as the software. So Waymo once had car ambitions, but now mm-hmm. is just trying to work with the car makers. So who do you think is really doing well? Is there anybody, you know, we're going to talk about the two schools of thought around self-driving cars, autonomous and semi-autonomous, but who is, would you say is, there's no ahead here at this point because it's in the beginning stages, but who would you think is sort of, you're like, okay, they're super serious or they're doing really well? It's hard to say, um, you know, definitively this one company is doing the best because there are a lot of different ways to measure it. And so Tesla has by far the most semi-autonomous vehicles on the road in the hands of consumers. But then again, they're not fully self-driving. People still have to pay attention. People still have to um, take over control sometimes. Uber and Newtonomy also have commercial pilots on the road, not nearly as many as Tesla. But technologically speaking, I think Waymo has the most advanced technology that, you know, has been tested and proven over 2 million miles at this point. So it's Hmm. a number of miles, too. Yeah, I mean, and they've simulated millions and millions of miles, but Google has had the most experience of all the car companies that have actual self-driving cars on the road. So tell us about the two schools of thought behind this self-driving technology. Some companies say you should have no control over the wheel whatsoever. 
once you're in an autonomous vehicle, it's taking care of everything. And then you mentioned Tesla, semi-autonomous. Listen, you might still have to be a human being at some point and take over the car. Tell us a little bit about like where each company falls into, you know, one of these two categories. Yeah, so there there is a huge debate over which is the safest um, method for car companies or tech companies to take, particularly because the entire I mean the entire purpose of autonomous technology period is to improve safety of vehicles. And so a lot of people think that by introducing semi-autonomous technology, we will more quickly realize those safety benefits because I think that there there are a couple of stats that say, you know, even assisted driver features, which is basically advanced cruise control, you know, really decrease the amount of accidents that we see and, and increases the safety of driving. But a, a lot of other people, Google, for example, I think Ford now uh, sort of stands behind this is say that the safest way for us to realize those benefits is to wait until the technology can drive for itself completely so that there's no risk of human intervention, there's no risk of human contact and human interference uh, with the system. So, I mean, there is a pretty even divide. I mean, Tesla obviously believes that semi-autonomous technology is the way forward and that, you know, you can only get better by getting that experience from semi-autonomous uh, technology and seeing how drivers interact with it and how uh, other cars and other pedestrians interact with it and then build upon that right. um, a so lot of real world experience. I mean, the yeah. problem with uh, semi-autonomous, all of these self-driving cars is the people in the other cars that aren't self-driving. That's really the yeah. issue, correct? Is that's- yeah. I mean, ironically, you know, self-driving technology becomes safest when there are literally no humans on the road. Right. Or they're in the cars, just not doing anything. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. They, that would be completely safe, presumably, or yeah. pretty safe, right? So we're solving a a temporary problem now, which is that we need to figure out a way for humans and robot cars to coexist. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, speaking of since semi-autonomous is really where it is, the Tesla's autopilot. You know, it's had some issues. There was that big case of the guy that died. Where is that right now? Where is semi-autonomous right now? And I was in one with Mercedes. It was pretty cool, but it scared me too at the same time. So... Um, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that earlier. I actually am much more comfortable in fully self-driving cars, too, mm-hmm. because I think that, you know, I'm hyper aware of the fact that the, the semi-autonomous cars are literally acknowledging that they have limitations. Right. But yeah, I mean, that. so Tesla has had level two, which means it just means it's a little bit more advanced than cruise control. You still have to pay attention. You still have to have your hands on the wheel and be able to take over at a moment's notice. But they've had level two uh, autonomous technology in most of their cars for a while. They actually just rolled out a second version of it um, with this new hardware suite. So initially they had, you know, a couple of cameras, a couple of sensors and radars around the car. Now they have a lot more sensors, cameras, radars. The idea is that ultimately that hardware will enable fully autonomous technology and and driving. And so right now... They just rolled out um, the new update, and it's called Hardware 2 and Autopilot 2. Uh, A lot of people are confused because, you know, the idea was that this is going to be fully self-driving. I think it's important to remember that they're not rolling that out immediately. They're doing that incrementally. And so Tesla, part of Tesla's pitch is that they're going to use all the fleet learning from all the cars that are on the road to improve and enhance the technology. And so as the car learns, as the company learns more about human behavior and things like that, they will roll out more and more updates. And by the end of the year is their deadline. They want to have fully self-driving technology ready to operate. And that's good. That's rolled out to all Teslas. Mm-hmm. The newest one is not. 
Okay. Um, so okay. the newest one, they're rolling out incrementally because it's in beta. So they want to make sure that it works. I think the first group of people were just, there were just a thousand Tesla owners who got the newest update. Can we just talk for a minute about how amazing over-the-air updates to cars are to me? Yes, <laughs> I mean, they're I like it's like our cars are giant iPhones now. Well, they we just are. get these OTA the updates. The first mobile device. It's crazy. <laughs> it is. Ha, ha, ha. No, but it I remember is, the first really time I heard about it. The first time I heard about over-the-air updates to mm-hmm. Teslas was, it was a few years ago. It was after the New York Times had written that review of a Tesla oh, yeah, Elon didn't guy. like and then he went out yeah. with this like completely I data-driven rebuttal and so I ran I was on the highway in Connecticut and I ran into at a gas station this group of Tesla fanatics that were oh, right. doing they were doing us. the ride yeah. to, they were replicating yeah. the ride to prove that it could be done and one of them had an issue with his car and was like so I just called Tesla and they sent me this over-the-air update to my car from where you know from California wherever they and and then I'm able to drive and I was like my mind was blown. Right, right, I was yeah. like, what? Like, yeah. you know, that was like remote. It was remote it assistance. It takes you six years to get your oil changed. Which right. is yeah, I mean, at this point, it's crazy that other automakers don't have it. Yeah. You know, just because it's so immediate. And it's mm-hmm. so, I mean, literally, they can put out an over-the-air update and then they can move your car um, like up or down, which is right. it's insane to me. Yeah. Right. Well, here we are also shows future. how vulnerable they are. So but yeah. let's talk a little bit about Uber, which has also been super aggressive. They bought the auto and different things like that, um, mm-hmm. the, the truck thing. So... Why did they launch and then back out of self-driving cars? Regulation or what? What was the situation? So they launched a pilot in San Francisco. They already had a pilot in Pittsburgh, and that's still up and running. Um, People are still using it. But then they launched a pilot in San Francisco because they wanted a big, splashy launch, you know, Mm -hmm. for investors in their hometown, et cetera. But they didn't get the proper DMV approval to launch it. And their argument, which is really interesting. Yeah, (laughs) very surprising for Uber. Their argument was that their technology actually is not autonomous enough for it to count as an autonomous car, which is so unlike Uber to acknowledge that something that they're doing doesn't actually work the way that they're saying it's going to work. So it was semi-autonomous. Semi yeah, in Pittsburgh, it was this big, splashy thing. Uber has the first self-driving cars on the road, blah, blah, blah. That's like what every headline, even our headline probably said that. And then in San Francisco, in order to stay on the road and prove to regulators that they don't need to get that DMV approval, they were like, oh, no, actually, it can't drive itself. Someone oh. has to be in, behind the wheel all the time. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so sure eventually um, the DMV just <laughs> took all their licenses away. Right. And so they right. had to pull out. And so what are they doing? Are they going to go back or are they just going to try to? Uh, I think the idea is eventually go back. But they just instead shipped all their cars to Arizona, which I you know, reported mm-hmm. that that was their original plan anyway, to go after Pittsburgh to launch their um, pilot in Arizona. Yeah, they already had it mapped flat. out and everything. But they decided to do San Francisco instead last yeah. minute. Because they wanted a big splashy yes, thing. They do. Mm-hmm. That sounds. We should do our next podcast from a self-driving Uber in Arizona. Just kidding. Well, <laughs> I'm staring. giving me the dirtiest so. look. Right She's <laughs> like, that is a terrible idea. Okay, so Johanna, you recently interviewed Barack Obama's transportation secretary, Anthony Fox, on Recode yes. Decode. Everyone should go listen to that podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are only a week into the new administration, but how does Trump's team think about self-driving cars? If at all. Oh, that so, was my caveat. I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? Um, So I think a lot of companies, um, you know, maybe they won't say this out loud, but, you know, are kind of uh, optimistic about the incoming Secretary of Transportation, Elaine Chao, who has yet to be confirmed. uh, But just because, you know, Trump and his team are sort of hands off in terms of regulation, they feel like they'll have more leeway to do things like roll out 
you know, random self-driving pilots in random cities without approval. Um, but, you know, there is a larger picture where they feel like they can operate free or they're just like will not interfere too much into the regulatory aspect of it. That said, the outgoing DOT secretary put together this committee on autonomous vehicles uh, before he left. And so it's made up of a bunch of C-suite executives from automakers, tech companies, and, as well as representation from things like the labor unions and, and other uh, organizations like that in order to help guide the incoming administration on what the best ways to update the current guidelines, which they, which they put out at the end of his uh, administration every year. So is it accurate to say that this could possibly be a self-driving car-friendly administration? It may be, and I don't think even intentionally. I think just no. because, you know. No regulations, they, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they have an Uber-like personality. Like, mm-hmm. let's just break things, essentially. Right. right. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, mean, I think this? that just because, you know, they believe in the free market and they, they probably won't be, I'm sure they'll take it seriously because there are a lot of safety implications for it. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of companies in both the tech and auto industry are pretty encouraged I by um, his transportation. Same thing around the FDA, a lot of things, drones, things yeah. like that. I mean, I'm curious what this means for jobs. If you, you know, there are several states in the well, U.S. Well, that's a bigger where question. Before we get to that, actually, I mean, jobs, elimination of jobs. Yeah, elimination yeah. of jobs. Yeah, that's the sort of big $100 billion question for this country. And, and also for the Trump administration is encouraging things that will take jobs away. Before that, when do you imagine it's going to be an actual reality to have these on the road? So, like, I know yeah. everyone asks you that, like, and you just say 10 years and they shut up. But what, what is mm-hmm. the actual? So it depends on how self-driving cars are proliferated. If we have self-driving cars via Uber and Lyft, it'll happen a lot faster than we expect it to because we're not depending on things like consumers buying self-driving cars, you know, if it's not the personal car ownership model, then it'll happen way, way faster uh, than a lot of people expect it to, which means like 10 or so years that the, these cars will be on the road. The mass market will experience them and have access to them. If car ownership continues, if people are still buying vehicles, we will have to wait for the cars to, you know, of course, they're going to come in at the high end. They'll be expensive vehicles, luxury vehicles that only a certain subset of consumers can access and, and buy. And then we'll have to wait for that to get commoditized and go into the mass market. And so that will happen, you know, that'll take a lot mm-hmm. longer to happen if it's that way. Mm-hmm. And then jobs. Um, that's really, jobs. That's the well, big I mean, question. everyone has been asking about trucking. In a lot of U.S. states, mm-hmm. trucking is still a, one like of the top jobs, of if jobs. not the top okay. job, right? Yeah. And right. so... Uh, definitely among the Trump constituency. It's like a lot of their jobs. You know what I mean? Like these things mm-hmm. will eliminate jobs. There seems to be no question of that. Right. Right. So, I mean, yeah. how is this ultimately going to impact the economy? And then is this the sort of thing where then the jobs won't maybe necessarily disappear, but will just change in a way that means we're going to have to, I don't know, educate incoming generation, upcoming generations in entirely, entirely new skill sets? I think disappear. Yeah. Johanna. I mean, unfortunately, nobody has come up with a solution. Nobody has come up with a safety net. I've asked Time and time again, so many you know politicians, regulators, companies, you know, what is your responsibility toward the people that are going to lose their jobs? Their answer is always, well, it's not going to happen for a really long time, yeah. which is I don't think sufficient. But for trucking in particular, and this is the argument that you know auto makes, auto is the company, the trucking company Uber acquired, wants to completely automate the trucking industry. 
their argument is that the given the average age and of the truck industry right now, you know, a lot of the people will probably be retired by the time that the technology is ready to fully take over. Because as it stands right now, auto's technology only drives on the highway. So even if they do, you know, start working with different fleets and do put their technology in the truck, the truck driver will have to take back control when they're about to exit the highway. So there's still a need for the driver. That need just becomes less and less, and eventually they'll be completely automated out of it. Lyft has made the argument that there are going to be other services that, you know, they want to create these experience pods. So, like, one pod will be, like, a self-driving manicure pod. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to need someone to do people's nails. So maybe the drivers can do that. Um, oh so I think that they think that there is going to be this sort of re oh, envisioning the of their roles. Would do while yeah. they're prepping to, for the apocalypse. All right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right, in a minute we're gonna. I think it's going to be bad news. That's my feeling, and I think it, just like it did with classifieds and newspapers, it's going to collapse these industries and, and not have them return. But that's just my opinion. In a minute, we're going to answer some questions about self-driving cars from our readers and listeners. But first, we're going to take a quick break as Lauren reads a word from our sponsor. Go, Lauren. All right, Kara. Can we get a little cha-ching sound? Cha-ching. Here? Okay. So today's show is brought to you by HostGator. If you're ready to take your website to the next level, you should check it out. Whether you're a first-time blogger or an experienced web pro like Kara Swisher, mm-hmm. HostGator has all the tools you need to create a great-looking website or even an online store. And if you ever need a boost in hosting power, HostGator offers cloud, VPN, and dedicated server hosting that can easily handle maximum visitor traffic. See what HostGator can do for your website. Right now, Recode listeners get 60% off. Wow. Yeah. So if you go to HostGator.com slash Recode, that's HostGator.com slash Recode, you can get 60% off. Fantastic, Lauren. God, you should do that for a living. Oh, God. It's all right. I'll just keep reporting mm-hmm. and tweeting. So I was just on a plane and Every time I asked for something, the stewardess went, mm-hmm, like that. It was freaky. Why? I don't know. I engender that in people, oh. I guess. This was first class, too. Kind of unnerving. That's how I talk mm-hmm. to Kara all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Kara, after your seventh <laughs> drink, they usually do that. <laughs> drink. All right. If you've been listening to this show, you know, speaking of which, we're going to talk about that in self-driving cars. I'll be able to. You know how it works. Every week, we take tech questions from our readers and listeners, and we try to answer everything we can. That means you, Johanna. Um, you can send them in, by the way, by tweeting at us with the hashtag Too Embarrassed, or you can email tooembarrassed at recode.net. This week, we're answering your questions about self-driving cars. Lauren, why don't you take the first question? Absolutely, Kara. Okay. The first question is from Gabriel Del Rio. <laughs> He's at G Del Rio on Twitter, and he asks, think regulations will be attached to first-stage autonomous vehicles to limit who rides okay this is kind of oh, a wording he's asking whether or not there will be limitations around who rides based on age number of passengers etc yeah. no uh, around autonomous vehicles johanna what do you think so the current guidelines and their you know iteration again they're guidelines they're not regulations so people aren't required and obligated to follow them they're just like here's a couple of cool things that you could do um they don't include anything that would limit what kind of person who you know can drive in or ride in self-driving cars. That said, you know, if it's via Uber and Lyft, you know, the laws or rules that Uber and Lyft have that limit who can ride their cars alone will obviously apply. Like, for example, minors can't ride in an Uber alone today. So likely minors will not be able to ride alone in a self-driving car in an Uber in 10 or so years. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. So there, but will they add more or they require them or not or just... So I don't I don't really see why they would. I think that 
the guidelines are going to be updated every single year. And that was a, a big fight for the outgoing DOT secretary. Um, so it has, you know, immense possibility for changing. But I don't think that they would include anything that would limit who can be in a vehicle at this point. All right. The next one's from Marcy McHugh, who we know very well, at, uh, at MarPeaceMC on Twitter. Um, will kids who are 10 need driver's license when they turn 16? How will the 100-plus year law change? So now old people don't need it, or do we need licenses at all? Why would we need licenses if we're not driving the cars? So a lot of state laws at this point require a licensed driver to be in a, the car at all times, even mm-hmm. if there's not a steering wheel. It's a law that a lot of companies are lobbying against. Mm-hmm. Um, it disability I agree with those companies. What do we need a license Yeah, disability for? advocates are really fighting against it because mm-hmm. it in- inherently uh, limits the access that people with wheelchairs, for example, or people, elderly people who don't even have license any, anymore have two self-driving cars. So, and, and the 100 year plus year law change? I mean, so I don't know that, you know, in 10 year olds today, mm-hmm. will will they have to have licenses? Probably. Because um, it's only six years from now. Yeah. Your kids yeah. are going to have to get their I licenses. Know, I know, but uh, God forbid. Um, but, uh, you know, you don't have to go to driving school. You don't need to know how to drive, right? You won't need to know... If you need to be able to take over for the semi-autonomous car, you probably will need to learn the how to drive. The semi-autonomous, so but not the other. Yeah, so, so yeah. it's just a matter of how far the technology advances. And I think that also finding the mechanism to like completely do away with the licensing system, I think, will take a long time as well. All right. It's like a stick shift. A lot mm-hmm. of people now don't know how to drive stick shift. Kara Swisher Kara does. does. Kara does. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been in a car with you in San Francisco. My favorite fact about Kara is that she drives stick shift. Yeah. Of course I <laughs> do. Dear Hello. readers, yeah. never get in a stick shift car with Kara while she's on the phone driving on San Francisco Hills. It's the closest you will get to death before I'm you actually die. Excellent stick shift driver, yeah. let me just okay. say. My boyfriend in, in tenth, ninth grade taught me. It was like very great, wonderful bonding. <laughs> and how's he doing now? He's a, he was, became a hedge fund guy. Should have stayed uh, straight. Anyway, um, go the ahead. Next, the next question is from Andrea Courtney. Will I like the experience, regardless of safety, if I'm giving up control, then what am I getting? Cheaper she car getting? insurance? A spa seat experience? Free movies? Yeah. I mean, she's really she wants she's milking these self-driving cars. <laughs> it's not good, it. it's not good enough that there's a pod driving you to <laughs> yeah. and from wherever you need to go at any point no, of the day. You need shit. to get stuff in there. Stuff. All right, Johanna, what is she going to get? What is Andrea going to get? Johanna. <laughs> <laughs> so like, like I said, Lyft is actually, they're trying to work on these experience pods. Manager. So she might actually get a spa pod um, oh, and you massage. can have a, a pod that's just like, you know, this is my work pod mm-hmm. and I, you know, it's I don't know, it's noise proof or something like that. And so, yes, you will be able to get a spa uh, treatment in your self-driving car. Also, I think the thing that a lot of luxury makers are trying to sell to consumers is that time is a luxury that you now will be able to reclaim in self-driving mm-hmm. cars. Like imagine all the work that you could possibly be doing when a car is driving you. Yeah. More work. More work. I'm going to be oh, texting yeah. more. That's well, I think that there is a he- really important conversation that we need to have about the blurred lines between work and office and home if the Are car itself becomes this roving something? office. No, that's a great point. Yeah. You yeah. know, now, right now it's like if you're commuting... If, yeah. you, if you have spotty connection or you're driving, you yeah. can't really do work. Right. But once you're, if once I'm you get commuting, pod, I have an, I have a really good excuse to ignore Kara. But yes, once exactly. I have a self-driving <laughs> car, <laughs> I can't. You know no, what I would like? I would I like, like um, a, I like so it. I would like a pod that 
blow dries your hair for you yeah. in a really like fancy like could you a like blowout a dry bar. like a dry bar in your self-driving pod <laughs> right. okay i would like that because i always run out the door with wet hair and i this never bother to do it and problems. then um this is a total first, first world, world problem. problem all right now we're gonna move on from there but you okay. do get free movies <laughs> andrea i'm sure of that like being on a plane or something all right yeah. zach dubose if self-driving cars will solve the urban parking problem where exactly do these cars park mm. so the reason why they solve the urban parking problem is that you can literally just send the car back to wherever you came from. But also, if you don't want to send it all the way back home, and if it's not in a rideshare network, the theory is that we'll create, you know, you don't need to have huge parking infrastructure in the middle of cities anymore. You can put it on the outskirts of city cities. You don't even need street parking anymore. You can right. reclaim that land, make it, you know, for shared space between pedestrians and, and create parks and things like that. And so there won't they'll just put it in city outside of city centers and just send the yep. car back whenever they don't need it or it's or it's or you don't even own it as driving to someone else right yeah. it's just they, they'll just schedule it from computing they'll schedule it efficiently presumably right yeah and for like if for a self-driving uber for example the car just literally does not ever need to stop Right, and you had written about that, saying the only thing it needs to do is get gas or be yeah. maintained. And then it just actually be shelved road away more, at night. So it needs mm-hmm. more maintenance because it's on the road yeah. more. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's what they could do, just like buses or planes or right. things like that. I mean, you don't even think about it. You just get on it and get off, and that's right. the end of it. But yeah. they're like on these lots when right. you're not using right. them, and they're they're sleeping. They're sleeping. They're sleeping. Oh, I just had this great idea for a cute little Pixar movie about like a Waymo car that gets lost, <laughs> and it's okay. like lonely in a parking lot, and then <laughs> sleeping for its Waymo. How is there not a Pixar movie about self-driving little right, cool cars on. yet? Move on from the lovely Jason Hirshhorn. Okay. This is from Jason Hirshhorn. Hi, Jason. Uh, how will the algorithm decide who to hit or save? Driver, passengers, pedestrians, property, which is, I think, probably the number the one question people ask us about self-driving cars they say yeah who's it the trolley problem who's it gonna kill how does it spot anomalies or kill essentially (laughs) go ahead oh they usually don't say kiss but okay (laughs) we played this Um, on a a podcast a few weeks ago (laughs) so ideally the the algorithm will prevent you from hitting anyone but of course there are edge cases and that's you know the ethical question that Everyone asks, and if I had the answer, I think that I would probably would not be working at Recode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even people at Google are still wondering how to figure, you know, how to determine that. I will say though, I was riding in Google's self-driving Lexus, and we kind of encountered the same exact situation where we were on this, you know, busy road, and there was a woman with a stroller crossing the street, and then a biker on our right, and then another truck, you know, about to cut us off, and. The car navigated it really, really well and actually navigated it better than the car and the human driven car next to us. Mm-hmm. And so I'm saying this because I don't think there is an answer, but I think that the technology so far has proven that it can maybe navigate those very difficult situations. And then it will learn, like, and then can iterate It'll learn. It to other and cars. that's the other thing. That's it the learns. thing. If, we, if a human has an issue, they learn once. The cars, all the cars learn, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So the next is from Matt Battaglia. We're not talking about self-driving car making a split-second decision reaction right i assume you would still need driver intervention to avoid obstacles in the road no i don't think so right oh and he hashtagged i drive a kia (laughs) (laughs) hi matt so the cars on the road today um that consumers have in their hands yeah they're not making i mean they can determine how fast to go they have you know forward collision warning but you still will likely have to pay attention and take over control as you see fit so don't fall asleep don't watch a movie pay attention hands on the wheel but eventually the idea is that the car will make all those decisions for you right 
And if the system can't process it, there will be sort of ways to either get off the road or Or somehow return control. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Next question is from Marius Carlson, who asked, will they work in snowy conditions? I live in Norway, so we might have a tiny issue if they cannot operate without reading road signs and markings. Johanna, what of Norway? What of Norway? Um, So, sorry, Norway. I don't think any of them work in snow yet. They are working on a lot of, because everything with self-driving cars depends on computer vision and things like that. And that's why they have radars and LIDARs, which are laser-based radars that literally shoot lasers at objects that bounce back and tell the car that there's an object there. But all of this together is what creates a, a full vision and picture of what's going on around the car that then instructs the software on how to drive it around those those obstacles. But Ford, for example, is also working on, you know, creating this GPS location and, and and there are a lot of other solutions, but they haven't yet figured out how best to navigate snowy conditions. Because at the end of the day, it's it's the same thing as, you know, a human driving through the snow, you know, you're not gonna be able to see as well as you would without right. when it's mm-hmm. not snowing. Right. All right. That's that's too bad, Norway. Sorry for you. Also <laughs> comma Sweden, comma Montana. All right, JD, Michigan, Michigan, comma, <laughs> Michigan. Most of the time, not in the summer. You can do it in the summer. JD Deshpande. He had many questions, but in a world with a hundred percent in a se- world in a world with hundred percent self-driving cars, will there be a universal standard for all features, or will it be a hot mess of ten manufacturers doing their own thing? And then next one: Does the self-driving technology hold promise as to mature as a silver bullet to all, or ever worsening traffic problems? So the first one: Will it be a hot mess of crappy cars? So that's a, a thing that a lot of the industry is trying to grapple with right now. Uh, companies like Mobileye are trying to get all of the automakers to share their mapping data with them and so that they can create this robust, high-definition map that everyone is using, you know, so why? It, just so that there's not a differentiation between what Uber's car is using to navigate itself versus what, you know, Audi is using to navigate itself. And so standardization is really important for a couple of the technologies, mapping, for example. Also, the way that cars communicate with each other should be standardized. And so there are a lot of companies that are pushing for that, but the auto industry and the tech industry are also kind of wary about that because they they don't want to cede any competitive edge. You know, sure. They don't want to give away any information and any of their you know proprietary information that would let GM, for example, win over Ford or something like that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. absurd. And what about traffic? Yeah, well, this solve traffic. Uh, that's the theory. So basically, if everyone is moving, if all the cars are moving at the right speed, only if they're all self-driving. I think that, you know, when self-driving cars hit the road in a real way and there are still human cars on the road. I mean, I don't think that traffic is going to be solved by any yeah. means. One, it might my mom worse. and a Ford Fiesta and it's all blown no matter how you <laughs> <slice> <laughs> So it's not until all cars are self-driving or most cars are self-driving that we'll see a real impact on traffic. traffic. But I think the combination of things like, you know, reduced space reserved just for parking on the street, as well as, you know, um, you know, cars will be connected to traffic lights. They'll be communicating with traffic signals. So they will operate properly based on that. And also cities and states can try to mandate that they follow all the traffic laws. So the combination of all of these things can create a better flow of traffic within cities. All right. 
Next, Next question is from Mary Glaskova. She asked, what AR content to expect apart from POI, uh, points of interest, information, and games? And I actually wrote back to Mary and asked her, did you mean specifically AR content in the car? I wasn't sure if she just Probably meant in on general. The stuff that was recently and she said, no, CES. in the car. In the car, like, like what, on the head, windshield. Yeah. Right, on your, you know, your head, heads up display. And um, what can we expect people to be able to see or watch once vehicles are autonomous? Right, in terms of entertainment? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything. So, yeah, I mean, I, Mercedes concept car was really interesting. I wrote it in maybe two or three years ago. And they had the entire doors were covered with LED screens and things like that. Mm. And one of the things that they were showing off was just video like simulated video of passing roads and environments and and forests and thing like things like that and their argument is that you know you may get car sick in a self-driving car looking out the window so they put up fake scenery for you to mm -hmm. watch as you go by so All i think right. that the opportunities are endless you can also most of the led screens in your car will probably be touch screen you could probably use that in in lieu of your phone and laptop and so I think the world is your oyster. Oyster, right. All right, this one I'm going to dismiss, but I'm going to read it. Micah Baldwin, what can you do with my hands? There are only so many ways I can do the macarena in the back of a self-driving car. We're not answering what you can do with your hands. <laughs> you can do whatever you want with Brush your hands. Brush your hair. That's not what I was thinking. You but can eat a sandwich. Whatever. We're not even answering. Johanna, you're not answering that. Last one. Walt Mossberg wanted to know... Can cats hack self-driving cars? And I will let you know that that got a bunch of likes on my Facebook when he asked that. <laughs> so People I have really seem right. to go for that question. Cats cannot, but who can, Johanna? Really anyone who's very, very motivated. A lot of companies are doing everything they can to encrypt communication, to prevent against hackers. But really the, the reality is that if a hacker has enough money, has enough time, and is really, really motivated, they can hack into anything. All right. Well, and what would be the motivation, though? I mean, I know sometimes, you know, in cases of fraud, the motivation is financial. In yeah. other cases, it's, you know, politically disruptive. Why? I'm saying this is I probably sound so naive, right? But like, what's the motivation for hacking self-driving vehicles? A lot of people are concerned that hackers would try to um, divert the car or try to inflict harm on the people riding on it. I think that I've read studies that that is less of a likely situation and that the motivation is usually financial. So when, you know, Jeep, for example, was hacked for, you know, they were basically demonstrating that they could hack the Jeep in the first place, their stock went down. And, you know, that is something that can easily motivate a hacker. Um, there also is the potential to act because all cars are going to be connected to this mainframe that the automaker has. Of course, it's going to be encrypted at, at every juncture, but there is the potential to then access the company's mainframe right. and, and, you know, all the normal reasons hackers hack. Mm -hmm. Yep. Just for fun or non-fun. We live in amazing and amazing scary times. Amazing and scary times, yeah. Yeah. as we noted at the beginning. Yes. All right. This has been another great episode of Too Embarrassed to Ask. Thank you for joining us, Johanna. Thank you. Yes, it's been awesome having you on the show. And if you all enjoyed the episode as much as we did, be sure to subscribe to the show. And you can leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Too Embarrassed to Ask. But seriously, subscribe. If you do, you'll be the first to listen to new episodes every Friday, perhaps in your self-driving car, or catch up on previous episodes where we answer all of the tech questions that our listeners have been too embarrassed to ask. You're burning tech questions. You're burning. Burning ones. personal burning tech questions. Burning like oil in a non-self-driving car. Sorry, <laughs> car and if you're not on iTunes, you can also subscribe on Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And you can listen to every episode at the website. Just go to recode.net slash podcasts. And while you're there, you should check out our other podcasts like 
Recode Decode, Recode Replay, and Recode Media with Peter Kafka. Which I listen to every day on my commute. Do you? I also listen to The Verge podcast because mm. we have some too. Yeah. Uh, Walt mm. Mossberg and Eli Patel host Control Walt Delete. They talked about Firefox this week. That was fun. Mm. Eli also usually hosts The Verge cast. All right. And don't forget to tweet your questions ahead of time to at Recode. We have a lot of great topics coming up in the next few weeks with the hashtag Too Embarrassed or email them to us at Too Embarrassed at Recode.net. Most importantly, thank you for listening. And thank you also to Digital Media, the company that distributes the show. We'll be back next week to answer more of the questions that you've been too embarrassed to ask. So tune in then. Thank you.